0: Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael.
1: Welcome to a special "Lost Without Moments" bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our biweekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make the next adventure to Japan even better than your last. Today's special interview episode with Garrett from Road Bike Rental Japan will cover an amazing service that will do just that: make your next trip unforgettable. This is your Conco Guido for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return for travel to himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and returning. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest from the website RoadBikeRentalJapan.com and supporting YouTube channel, Cycling in Japan, Gareth. I must say, I am truly thankful for being introduced to you by Jeff from Rediscover Tours and Rediscover Japan, and for you just really setting aside time from your busy schedule to join me for today's interview. Hi
0: there, Michael, and a big thanks to Jeff as well. So good morning from Osaka. (laughs) So jealous right now, Gareth, let me tell Uh, (laughs) you.
1: Having traveled to Japan like multiple times, I I think it'd be easy to fall into a trap. Like where you only uh, plan activities based upon things that were interest of you in your regular life. But the more I travel with others and now interviewing people uh, like you, Gareth, with interests that vary from mine, I'm finding out, you know what, I've been missing out on some really exciting opportunities that I might not have potentially known about otherwise. And I truly feel fortunate today to have you, Gareth, uh, join us. And share what Road Bike Rental Japan has to offer listeners of Lost Without Japan, uh, you know, for their next trip to Japan. So, welcome, Gareth. Thank you so much for uh,
0: joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. As I said, big thanks to Jeff. And here I am in Osaka. We're waiting for tourism to come back sometime very soon. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's just uh, it's a pleasant spring day. Golden Week is just around the corner, so we've got a little bit of a busy weekend planned, but here we are providing a road bike rental service in Japan.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And really, before we get going uh, too far in today's episode, uh, where can listeners go to take advantage of your services and to answer any additional questions they might have uh, when they look to like um, when they're booking their next trips?
0: sure our website is com. nice and easy to remember uh there's an faq on there so that's a good place to look at the very common questions that we get asked about like what's included in a rental how much etc but there's also a blog i say a blog it's a resources page that has lots of information about places to go ways to get around japan and yeah it's just a lot of information there i'm gradually trying to put that into the youtube channel as well we're in a world where everyone seems to like visual so a lot of the blog content even i'm getting quite lazy about reading blogs and love watching videos there's that option so that's why i'm trying to do that too if for example there are any questions not covered in the faq or there's no answer that you can't find the answer on the uh, the website yep it's uh, the email address is info at com. So feel free to send us an email.
1: Excellent. And and let me tell you, um, Gareth was super uh, quick with his responses and just communicating with me and setting some time aside. And um, I, I can just uh, tell, uh, I'm like, he loves what he does. I I was I told him that I was actually looked a couple of the videos uh, earlier today when I was at school on my lunch break. And you've made me begin to fall down like this rabbit hole of uh, things that I I tell you. I'm like, I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of um, on my next trip. So just thank you so much for that. And for this next uh, uh, part uh, here, uh, Gareth, really, um, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, share some things about yourself uh, before we start, um, you know, going
0: too much into, uh, you know, your business and what you have to offer sure so yeah i'm i'm gareth i've been uh yeah in japan now 17 years originally from the uk um yeah as well as being a, a business owner in japan i'm a, also a house husband so i spend a lot of time with my uh, young kids they're four and seven years old Um so it's kind of quite a busy time uh, global pandemic are, dealing with a global pandemic, dealing with tourism. Uh, it's just been yeah, a little bit of a crazy two years. Um, I originally came to Japan as a as a kind of, I guess, a backpacker who started teaching. And then, yeah, from, from teaching became a manager of a, a school and I just kind of loved kind of the management side of things. And I think the the idea of starting a business came at some point there. And once I fell in love with cycling, it had to be cycling. So, Talk about that, like uh,
1: those things that happen in life that are just like a uh, fate, uh, you know, or just those moments that are meant to happen. And, and uh, y- you coming uh, for backpacking and, uh, you know, everything else that uh, followed along with that. I'm like, that, that sounds like amazing to have you be here today, you know, uh, with that. It's it's really awesome.
0: The the whole experience, uh, I still remember being at university and like at the at the time in the UK, it was kind of a little bit of a boom time. I had some money in the bank and I almost bought a house in the UK and I think I would have probably stayed there forever if I'd done that. The the actual deal fell through and the very next day a friend said, Do you want to go to South America? And I was like, Yeah, why not? Um <laughs> from then, three months in South America, while I was in South America, another friend said, Do you want to go to Thailand? In November. This was in March. I was like, Well, got back to the UK, worked hard, saved money. Next time I was out. And then I just generally grew this feeling that I might not be living in England uh, for the foreseeable future. And yeah, I applied to many jobs and the yeah, one in Japan popped up. And uh, sometimes people say, why do you come to Japan? And, and kind of like maybe Japan chose me in a way. I kind of like was actually applying for jobs everywhere, many countries. And, and I came to Japan. So um, that was 17 years ago and I'm still here now.
1: That's just awesome, though. And I, I saw um, kind of pop around a little bit here. But uh, one thing I was kind of interested in was that um, I know that you're based out of Osaka, um, but you also said that you have like a uh, like a delivery service or things like that uh, for your um, like for, for road bike rentals. Um, how would they go about doing that if that if they're not able to just, you know, get to Osaka that's not a part of their trip or someone that's living in Japan that's
0: looking to take advantage as well? sure one of the reasons why yet we went with the name road bike rental japan and also just because we know that it's difficult to get bikes in remote areas yet at the same time we know some of these remote areas are actually the best place to ride around on a bike we thought well there's probably not enough demand demand just being in Osaka so we need to kind of be able to get the bikes around the country and japan one of like one of the the amazing things with japan if anyone's like traveled and used the courier services you can leave your bags at the hotel and they will be delivered to your you know sorry leave your bags at the airport and they will be delivered to your your hotel and things like that There's some amazing services and they do offer services that can actually ship bikes around um so we we took advantage of that and sometimes we we've had clients cycle the length of the country and we've We've never actually met them, you know. Everything was done via email. We've explained how to how to kind of put the bike together when it when it's arrived. How to like basically get back to get the bike back to us. And yeah, so some people have had these amazing amazing adventures. Maybe three to four weeks cycling across Honshu, cycling across Shikoku, and we've we've hardly yeah we we've not seen them. We've just kind of been emailing. Um, something that I guess now with the world of Zoom and vid- so much video calling, it's something that we've, we're starting to add as well, that we get a chance to actually do. you know, We wanna create a bond with, with the clients as well. And if they have any fears or issues or concerns that we can kind of communicate using, using this now. I think everything prior to the pandemic was very much email, just emailing back and forth and messaging. But the, the technology over the last couple of years um, is it's really come along and i think it's a great chance to actually communicate with people before they come and and get to know them because uh, you know we our passion is sharing the adventure with them as well it's not just about here's a bike, go for it type thing we we love reading where people went we love reading the blogs we we love getting reviews when people tell us what they they did photos it's it's all part of like the you know i think the motivation comes from from that as well so
1: it's, it's just so 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 wonderful. I mean, like, um, just to be able to be where you're at and be offering what you have. And I can tell you, I mean, you're, you're not kidding about these last few years. Like me as a teacher, um, you know, when we went remote uh, to now when the kids don't have a snow day anymore because uh, <laughs> they just get to work from home, uh, like, you know, it really does seem like there's a, a lot of things that are being offered, uh, you know, by you and your company. And to think that at one point in time, you needed uh, an alien registration card uh you know and re-entry permits and things like that You've got to have changed i think uh
0: you know from when you first arrived sure yeah yeah i um i remember just like arriving in japan and being from the uk and of course not necessarily being super dependent on my parents or anything in that way i i went to uni in another city and just got on with my life but there isn't the admin side of things like living in the uk you just kind of get on with your life you don't need to register yourself as a you know as a foreigner you know or you're living in this part of town and even japanese people they have a family register there's a lot of paperwork involved if you need to prove who you are there's um you've got to take a trip to the ward office and and just kind of yeah always kind of jumping through these little hoops just to kind of stay in japan um, it's less now because i'm a resident in japan Okay. Um, but when i first came i yeah i think every year i had to go get a a, a new visa then of course i had to go get re-entry permits so if I, at that time i was loving like like spending a bit of time teaching english but then i'd travel to like bali or thailand and travel locally philippines and just kind of do all these great things like a 20 year old without kids could actually probably get, <laughs> get away with doing type thing but but the money was coming in and the, the freedom of being in asia it was like an amazing time but you just had to keep up with this paperwork the process um eventually yeah the japanese government introduced the the uh, you know the, i became a resident but then the japanese government introduced the my card so that kind of covers so much for me now and i you know with the resident status i don't need to kind of get these extra stamps at the airport i can join the you know it's great get, getting off a plane from europe and have almost almost like my own queue now like like there's everyone's queuing up the japanese queuing up over here <laughs> yeah. the, the foreign and i've just got like my own you know anyone who's living in japan and they've got the resident card you just show that and you're you're straight in it's, um it's been good i think it's probably changed with the pandemic checks and stuff now so i'm a little bit reluctant to go back to the uk at the moment more just waiting for things to settle down a little bit more yeah. but in terms of the admin side of things um, yeah it, it's a little bit easier now and i think for anyone who wants to not just visit japan but maybe work in japan i think it's a little bit easier than it was a few years ago so. awesome
1: no I, I i and to think like uh like you said you started with uh english school about uh like you know for 10 years uh and like you said you wanted to start your own business uh when was it that you ended up kind of like uh dec- deciding that like this is the time that I want to start th- start this
0: sure yeah like in 2015 i was in a, a management position i was almost like the the second regional manager in in western like western yeah western japan i think <laughs> um and it was the only way for me to continue in the company was to really move to Tokyo and I just started a family in Osaka and it was clear that yeah I had some great staff working with me and that because I was here they weren't getting a chance to move on too but at the same time in the back of my head there was a start your own business start your own business start your own business and once I became resident the flexibility to to do that became a little bit easier too. So I think I guess the stars aligned, and I was able to think, okay, yeah, I can actually give it a go. Um, at the same time, my my son was born, so I had a little bit of paternity leave, so I could kind of look after the look after him, but also just work on the on the PC, get the website going, uh, and with with some help from friends around me, we were getting stuff going. And and then yeah, I think it was May. 2016 we had our first customer and actually that very first customer was a delivery um a young guy from malaysia his dream was to cycle around mount fuji and at that time we only had like two bikes basically so we didn't have a big selection of bikes we were just testing the waters is there a demand for this and um yeah he he went up and we sent the bike up and yeah he cycled around mount fuji and just said I've made his dream come true and I was just like wow you know, I didn't really think about that you know I guess for some people cycling in Japan you know that is kind of a, a dream you know yes. and, and we we started a business that was helping people do that and you know my own passion for cycling has, has grown and there's a lot of um I think actually not just myself but I think for all the guys that I see working related to cycling in Japan one, they love Japan, and two, they love cycling. And it's not like a, it's not a business for the sake of being a business. It's a business, but it's because it's their passion, and they yeah. just want to share cycling in Japan with with everyone. Um, so yeah, there's you know, I say competitors, but we all work together. There's a lot of communication and and, and different things going on, and everyone is just you know, eagerly wait awaiting tourism to come back and to get more people cycling in Japan and it is such a cyclist paradise you know a bit of a, a cliche there's many cyclist paradises everywhere but once you get out of the city it's there's just so much on offer it's, uh, it's amazing and
1: that's one thing that i'm looking to take advantage of too like i said uh something i wish i would have uh thought about ahead of time but this is like why we're we're talking today so someone else doesn't make my mistake and you know kind of explore a little more and see more of japan than just those like you know main places because i mean from where you are in Osaka, some of those routes you were talking about doesn't take you long, and you're gonna get a totally different side of Japan than you would have if you had just you know stayed to the subways and things like that. so uh it just just unbelievable and to think that you uh started off uh you know kind of housing all of these bikes uh in your home, uh I mean how understanding and patient your wife must be uh, <laughs> you know to have that, but uh, when did you uh, end up seeing that, like, I need to move out of uh,
0: these bikes out of my house? Sure. Like the um, the first couple of years we were just testing and I was still working as an English school manager after the paternity leave. And, you know, like with a friend, we worked out who's going to cover meeting the clients, And yeah, the clients would just pick the bike up from the shop, uh, which was my house, and we'd set them up on their way. Generally, we always tried to back to meet the client um but yeah sometimes it would be a case please leave the bike outside and just lock it up you know it's japan it's super safe really there's stories of occasionally of bikes going missing but i've you know seven years of business now we've we've been lucky um uh, the, the current shop has cameras outside and everything so you know all that but i think you know japan's pretty safe and riding around i don't think this business would work in some other countries Um the uk i'm from the uk so i don't think it would work yeah. could go missing but it's a place where it uh, it can you yeah. can trust people and the, the business can be here um so going back to the original question like we i think we got to about 20 bikes and we were getting more requests and the the shop now is next to the the old Gower cycle lane which leads on to the yoda cycle lane which actually can take you all the way to yoda so whenever i was cycling on my way out a little bit of a workout i would always see this area and there was always this building like a long 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 time ago that just kind of was calling my name i think and it, i just thought that would be like the perfect perfect place to to get the business going and and yeah it, it was pretty much a garage really um there was no windows there was no you know there was just the shutters um, but i've now you know during the pandemic i've been kind of kind of getting things done and uh we've got windows in we've got a small terrace there the terrace has actually turned into a bike wash as well so when you know people are not drinking coffee there's also the option that they can wash their bike there's a coin timer and there's all these things and that happened in 2019 in january and we were like just so over the moon we had our own premises because there was always you know we had Japanese clients and you now in the email with foreigners we would just say this is our address this is a you know this is a family home but we we provide the bikes and the service there you know, we it never impacted the, the service but maybe from the Japanese level it kind of maybe people would rock up and oh it's a house you know and the, <laughs> maybe the level of pro- professionalism was kind of like in in question you know straight away so now having a shop just having that kind of go to location on google Maps. it was always on google maps but now it's on google maps and that's just kind of easy to find right next to the station so yeah moving here in 2019 just prior to the pandemic was yeah I think it's been a, a good thing I've had to cover rent during the pandemic and stuff but but you know we, we're we all waiting for the uh, you know, the official real green light to, let's all get traveling again so
1: that's outstanding gareth and i um am gonna take a pause here and just i kind of like to just ask you uh just in general like what are some of your uh biggest uh japan interests
0: yeah it's it's there's so many it's kind of tricky to pinpoint the one that i like the most because yeah cycling is a big thing in my life um i love just traveling around and i think jeff will kind of talk about this as well when you're just traveling you're just absorbing so i guess my you know my thing to do is absorbing just even if i go down a road that i've been before many even around my neighborhood sometimes just you look at a different you know look look in a certain way and you look up at you know, a different angle you might see something completely different that you've never seen before and you know Jeff was talking about the manhole covers and the, how artistic they are there's the artistic manhole covers I sometimes see little statues, little statues in the walls and you're like oh wow little statue's kind of cute and then you know you see engravings written in you know in buildings that you never noticed before and you're just like wow I've walked past this a hundred times and I've never seen seen that before and you like is that new? You? You're always asking yourself, "Is that is that new?" But it's just because you've not looked in that angle, and you know, just kind of suddenly see something, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's so cool, that i And and that's after 17 years of living here, you know, I still see these new things, and that's in familiar grounds. You know, going to new areas that I've not been to, then it's just like, "Oh, wow, it's amazing! there's so many, you know, so many cool things to see," and you just kind of absorb absorb it all in. It's amazing
1: like it sounds like uh we have that in common because i I really feel like uh you know it takes some time or you know maybe someone could go their lifetime without finding it, but uh Japan for me is definitely uh my happy place, probably just one that I wish I would have found a little bit earlier on in my uh my my life, but uh at some point in time, I'm going to be uh over in Japan and uh living just doing things a little backwards is all so <laughs> but Hearing you talk about it is uh, a lot like every time I go back, uh, someone asked recently at my school when I was talking to them and they're like, how can you go back to the same country so many times? Like, don't you ever get tired of it? I'm like, no, I really don't. I'm like, there's so much to do there. And I know some of it's just that luck of being on vacation uh, and having that openness that may not be there uh, if you're kind of trying to do what you need to on a daily basis, but Anywhere you can go and be in a coffee shop and then be involved with celebrating someone's birthday uh, for a few hours, <laughs> you know, just out of the blue, um, is definitely a uh, country that, you know, just keeps me coming back. Uh, I love it. I love it. And what are, uh, for you, uh, so, some of your favorite foods uh, or places that you might, like, visit in Japan for snacks, meals, other things like that? What What are your go-to's?
0: yeah I um yeah (laughs) too many to mention hence the uh, expanding waistline at the moment um yeah my kids as a you know talking about young kids over the last few years we've gone to the family traditional family restaurants um, and these are kind of restaurant chains that are geared to looking after you know families yeah there's a lot of very kids meal sorry there's kids meals very focused on like entertaining the kids they get a toy and you know salads and pastas and stuff for the adults and and it's not very exciting unless you're four years old but something that i love you know japan's a very sociable place i think osaka comes alive at night often is the case you know everyone's going to work during the day everyone's just kind of moving through their life but nighttime, there's just this different atmosphere completely and it's not, it's not like a full-on party atmosphere but there is a general all right let's go out let's eat you know the Japan Osaka is the kitchen of Japan isn't it? I I hear this expression sometimes and there's just so many great places to go but now the kids are older something that I've really been missing is the kind of the restaurants where you have to cook your own food where the you know the yeah. center of the table has a grill and you've got yaki Niku, which is like the Korean barbecue so they bring out the raw cups of meat and you you know you sit there cooking you've got shabu shabu so they bring the thin slices of meat and you've got to dip it in the soup and it cooks there very quickly and we've just not been able to do that because you know fear of burning (laughs) burns and stuff so (laughs) we are getting to that stage now where we can go out again and enjoy yakiniku and shabu shabu and i've even had a okonomiyaki which is the 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 meal from osaka one of the the specialties in osaka and there's a, a hot plate in front of you and you kind of yeah it's almost like cooking an omelette in a way I guess it's the nearest thing I could say Um, cook an omelette and and make that in front of you but it's it's the experience I think like chain restaurants great you get your food kind of quickly but it's just you could be eating a meal at home where the yeah these kind of restaurants there there's a lot more just kind of interaction with the staff there's kind of the whole experience and the whole process so if you've not been to japan before or, you know maybe listeners who have been to japan they know these kind of this kind of feeling and it's just a great experience so uh, it's probably uh lubricated by uh, some alcohol in the mix as well but but generally <laughs> it's just a, a great experience rather than than the, the chain chain restaurant so i i love it i love it and um
1: what if you're going to, I know, like you said, your your passion is definitely uh, cycling. I can uh, hear it, see it in your smile, like everything that you, you have for things that are here. But if you're not going to be uh, cycling, uh, what is your kind of like go-to location uh, for Japan? Uh, mostly
0: anywhere I can entertain two young children. Um, uh, basically, they love parks. They love being outside. Um, a lot of my own bike rides turn into little kind of, reconnaissance missions to see where there's parks and new places to take them so that's a, a justification to the wife while I'm cycling on my uh on my work day but but yeah the uh anywhere there's parks and and a beach we love the beach uh, the beach is here we, we yeah we we're pretty close to Lake Biwa in Osaka uh we have a car so I uh in the summer months we we kind of head up to Lake Biwa we do a bit of camping up there with friends the water's so so calm um compared to like the the other coastal beaches so, i like, think it's great for the kids there's there's quite a few children's beaches up there like there and there's also you know a lot of fantastic scenery um it's just like amazing to look around and, and take it all in uh, the the water's not salty there so as well that's a, another little plus so yeah i think over the years like the kids are that at that stage where as much as you want to show them the history and the culture and <laughs> go to these fantastic places in Japan it's not really gonna appeal to them right so do so anything that's kind of entertaining entertaining and there's um like amusement parks and things like that there's so it's just kind of trying to keep them entertained basically so uh but it's it, again it's like we as a family we go to places and then find somewhere new so it either works in one way that we go as a family and I find somewhere that I want to go cycling or i go cycling and find somewhere that i want to go as a family so but generally like in the summer months we spent a lot of time either at lake biwa and a little bit of time in Owajishima, which is the island connecting Shikoku and and honshu um yeah it's, it's it's kind of a small island but but it's some pretty decent beaches there uh, it's just again it's, it's salt water compared to the biwa but in terms of distance from osaka they're pretty pretty similar, and they've both got their own cycling route, so it's always good to kind of check, check these things out, too, while I'm there.
1: I, I like it. I like it, and I remember, like, uh, the times, too, with my kids, we'd take him to the zoo, and then, you know, my son just wanted to watch the construction equipment, and we didn't have to walk anywhere. It's what he was entertained by, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely fighting all those. Uh, and, and I know you've talked about uh, some of these as well. I said, um, but what are some of your hobbies that you have outside of uh, uh, cycling?
0: So, yeah, like these days, spending so much time uh, looking after the kids, I almost forget what I enjoy doing, actually. <laughs> <But> I enjoy <laughs> looking after my kids, of course. But but I, I'm from the UK, so I've played a lot of soccer over the years. Um, there's a, a group of friends. We've been playing for, like soccer in, in Japan for a long time we used to attend tournaments and stuff but over the years uh, we've all got a little bit slower and uh other other sports and stuff we've taken up when I was backpacking I really love scuba diving and my wife and I we, we did a few trips where we would go scuba diving uh sometimes in Japan we went down to Okinawa there's some um, some amazing scuba diving in in Okinawa uh we did have an experience in Wakayama but it was after a kind of a, a typhoon and we couldn't see anything so we had to cancel the, the the second dive but but i do remember a very beautiful scuba dive down in uh, in many years ago, so, uh sorry, um, in Okinawa many years ago so sorry in okinawa many years ago but yeah there was a period when i was working that golf came into the mix anyone who's kind of worked in japan there's probably uh, you know a lot of a lot of the japanese staff loved golf Um so that became a, a little bit of a thing that my wife and i did with uh with the in-laws actually my um, my brother-in-law's a, a big golfer so every every obon we'd go up to kanazawa my wife's hometown and we'd uh one of the days would be allocated to uh walking around the golf course um i would like to say hitting balls but it didn't always <laughs> happen that way but um <laughs> uh, so but the scenery up there was spectacular because that was uh in the Noto area so you not not all country club and you've got like the coastal like yeah it's kind of a, a quite a rugged coastline up at not so um, yeah another place just you know you're playing golf and you're looking at this uh, these amazing kind of seascapes and stuff um so just again Japan has so much booty everywhere but but yeah hobbies that take me places you know I kind <laughs> of my my son's becoming a little bit of a gamer and I growing up I've never been a gamer we've started to play Mario Kart a little bit but but I've never I've never been a, a gamer really um it's I think it's too addictive I think if I started to play I'd probably just get like hooked and just, you'd never get me off uh yeah in Nintendo or whatever but but so I always like doing outdoor things as much as possible so because yeah when, there, when there's a rainy day you're going to be stuck indoors anyway so you might as well get out on the days that you can can get out and in, enjoy it so
1: I agree, and I, I really like um, your travel hack uh, that you talked about
0: uh, for Japan as well. Could uh, you talk about that for us? Yeah, sure, sure. So I think there's so much focus on people getting the JR Pass. There's a, you know excellent marketing from JR. There's a good deal that you can get your, your JR Pass and travel across Japan using the Shinkansen. And what you know, I think so many people do that and they have a great time and it's just an amazing experience. What people probably don't often consider is that Japan is an island nation and a great way to get around island nations is you know, kind of island hopping. And Japan has so many fantastic ferry services, and especially for the guys with the bikes, you know, instead of having to kind of bag up the bike and taking it on the train, you can actually walk on the some of the ferries, and if it's an overnight ferry. You can, yeah, some ferries you can actually take the bike in the room, into the room. So we recently went down to uh, Shikoku. There's a ferry from Osaka to Ekime Prefecture, and it's at the bottom end of the Shinemami Kaido which is a very popular cycle route. So it's one option to do that. But I really wanted to go to uh, Shikoku, uh, Shimanto River, but I always thought it was too far away. And then my wife had a, a three day, I think a four day break. And i said well if you can finish work at a decent time and we can get the ferry overnight then we wake up in our location and then it's much easier and the ferry was it's like a hotel it was um the orange ferry between osaka and and yeah, It's just unbelievable and there's a you know there's a mini onsen on there so even if you haven't had your bar <laughs> you can you can get your onsen on there there's there's meals there you know there's vending machines so yeah, there's even little game rooms and stuff to, to entertain uh the kids for a, a moment but the, the the actual departure is at 10 o'clock at night and you arrive at six o'clock in the morning you've got the option to stay in bed till seven until seven but the 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 actual uh wake up call yeah we've arrived is 5 30. so so it is good <laughs> to get an early night on that on that one but, but just being able to like take the ferry and wake up in a new location instead of maybe thinking that you're ah i've got to stay near a station i've got to get to the station and then jump on the train head wherever i think just the ferry is a fantastic alternative um to to getting around japan especially between like osaka down to Shikoku and even there's ferries down to Beppu and oita and kyushu so it's a great way. And I think if people are on budget, when I was a backpacker, I thought if I'm traveling overnight, then that's one less hotel that I don't need to, to pay for that thing. So yeah, if you're thinking, ah, oh, stay on here and then take the train down in the morning, take a ferry, enjoy the the experience of taking a ferry in Japan.
1: Love it. Love it. And, um, I know, um, we're all w- waiting for, uh, tourism to finally return, uh, when it does, um, like, you know, open back up and we have some things coming. Uh, if there was somebody who is looking, uh, for some possible employment with your com- company or similar ones, like you said that you'd have, uh,
0: what would you be like your recommendation for them? Sure. At the moment, of course, we're still waiting a little bit. Um, so not actively looking for people. Um, but there is that kind of feeling that it's time to just get ready for, for tourism. Um, so I think if people are just looking at our social media, um, I will be posting job job ads on on there and and kind of a, just a, kind of getting a general sense. But I think you know, of course, it's also good to know the company. So if you know if people are looking to to work in so in Japan and, and use it as a kind of a, a job experience in Japan, then yeah, start start following us there, and then you can get an idea of what we're about as well. So. Awesome. And now I'd like to kind I, I, of sorry. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just just going to say, I guess, I just, if someone did have like an amazing skill set, they love cycling, they speak Japanese, they can work with computers, and by all means, send us a, an email in advance as well. We could, you know, can always consider that as well.
1: Perfect, perfect, perfect. And uh, now I'd like to kind of just transition ourselves over uh, towards kind of like your services that you offer, your website, the Road Bank uh, Rental Japan. And um, I know that you've talked about uh, your role as the uh, English school manager uh, that you did um, and kind of setting those uh, the businesses up and like you getting to the point that was there. So if you don't mind, I said, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about some of your favorite routes um, that you'd recommend to someone like myself uh, who would like to buy you know to, to bicycle when they're in uh, Japan but May not be an avid cyclist. Uh, like, what would be your recommendations?
0: Sure. Yeah, I'm actually in the thought process of of making a, a route video. Um, it's coming fairly soon. It's in my mind. It's just yeah, I need to find the time to make that. But I think the best routes in Japan is something that yeah deserves a video uh, from us because we do get a lot of feedback from from clients about where to go and with my own experiences of where to go and. I think, um, for a beginner or someone with kind of maybe little experience, then the Shinemami Kaido is probably one of the main places. I'm pretty sure Jeff mentioned this, uh, in the, in the last podcast. Um, but, there, the bridges that link across from Honshu to Shikoku. Uh, yeah, it's just stunning, stunning scenery all the way. It's not necessarily difficult. There are some tricky ascents to the bridge bridges. But, but again, yeah, there's so many services offering pretty decent road bikes down that way. There's also like e-bike options. Um, there's a lot of mama chatties, the, the granny bikes, but just <laughs> yes. please don't, because you see a lot of people walking up the hills. They it, it's not, I don't think that would be a fun experience. You know, you think you're going to do a bike ride and you end up having to walk up the hill because you're on a, a 1,000 yen per day mama chaddy with no gears. So I would recommend that you always just try to get a geared bike at least for for that. Uh, the other route that I cycled around last summer, actually, uh, and I've mentioned it with the kids is the Lake Biwa. There's a, a nice loop around Lake Biwa, um, it's just over about 200 kilometers. Um, there's a lot to, if you did it, there are people that do it in one day. There's the hardcore cyclists that they just want to do it and get around pretty fast. Um, I would recommend doing it over two or three days. Okay, uh, it's very accessible from Kyoto. So just kind of heading over from, from Kyoto to maybe Otsu start at the south end and then cycle around and there's a, yeah, a few sites to see along the way as well. But it's a nice, I, I did it in summertime and it was, you know, it was nice. There was seeing everyone camping. There was that kind of, it felt like it was a coastline because, you know, the sea's there and, you know, the, You've got beautiful kind of blue skies as well, but but it you know it's a lake and yeah it's nice if you especially if you like camping. I when I did it I had the one man tent so I kind of cycled up, stayed the night at a campsite, woke up very early about four o'clock in the morning and there was this amazing sunrise, and then carried on down. So I think yeah Lake Biwa and the Mikaido, they get a lot of attention. They, I think they're being marketed because they are a little bit easier, but they are definitely good route for, for I say, beginners to yeah, maybe people that want to consider getting into cycling.
1: That's awesome. And then I, in that same uh, kind of thing, if you're going to be recommending routes uh, that are more challenging uh, for our listeners that are actually avid cyclists like yourself, um, what would you end
0: up recommending? Uh, I think it's... Uh a lot of amazing routes and as as i said that's why i think that a video needs to be made i mentioned it in a recent video about an faq just a quick go go over like these routes are there but but i do need to give it a bit more time um but the route that i spent a lot of time on last year was the the cane cycle route and this joins basically from kyoto through nara all the way down to wakayama and there's not a lot written about it and i think personally not personally but i think from observing from the outside a little bit i think because it crosses into three different prefectures each prefecture has their own kind of budget and how much they're interested in cycling or maybe how much kind of how much they actually want cyclists from overseas in their you know kind of in their area type thing so i think like Kyoto are really trying to push the k hour cycle route they've recently resurfaced and repainted their parts but as soon as you cross into the Nara section Nara talk they kind of all the signs are referring to their old Nara routes, and there's not much focus on the K-Nara cycle route it's there and then maybe in patches you might have a district of Kyoto that maybe there's nothing else that they're kind of got going type thing so they're kind of encouraging people to cycle through at least uh so you then suddenly you see the line appear again and it, it's very it's just I kind of don't want to criticize but it seems like it, it may be mismanaged or there's not like let's all work on this amazing route together uh, between the different prefectures um but it is there and I think it's an amazing route to just ride from uh Arashiyama or start in Wakayama depending on direction and connect all of these and most of it is flat and most of it is actually on a cycle path so it is fairly easy the reason i didn't put it into the first answer is because there is still a bit of a big climb uh, at yoshino in nara there's still a bit of a big climb so if you're kind of a beginner then it may be a little bit more challenging so but but it, it's 180 kilometers and again it's recommended that you do it over a couple of periods and the thing that i like about this is it's it's kind of the route so think of it as an expressway that you would take to go to the places that you want to go, rather than being the actual main attraction. I think the Shinemami Mikado and Lake Biwa, they are kind of the, the main attraction. The actual route themselves are part of like the marketing. But I think the K-NOW cycle route is actually it, the route that joins all of these amazing places. And, and that, that may be the other thing why it's not getting as much attention because it's just this kind of route that's there rather than being an actual spectacle and it's just connecting all of this amazing stuff this is connecting kyoto with nara you know you can ride to nara you don't need to take the train yeah and then you can carry on all the way to wakayama and then i guess a little bit more of a challenge and a step i personally if i had kind of a couple of weeks off to just escape i think i would do the K N cycle route take the ferry from wakayama and go to shikoku and then cycle around Shikoku. Um again, Shikoku a little bit more rugged. There's a lot probably for the more challenging kind of the the rider that's looking for a bigger challenge than Shikoku itself. And it's a thousand kilometers or so to go loop all the way around. There is marketing on that by the the prefectures in Shikoku, but again it's still a large kind of mostly in Japanese at the moment. I do see little bits of English information are popping up, but but again, it's, it's, there's I guess maybe because the domestic focus on domestic travel, within Japan a little bit at the moment there's kind of a lot of materials about traveling and cycling for Japanese people rather than kind of yeah, the world is getting ready to open and and everyone let's go go traveling again. So,
1: and and I you said um like in uh Shikoku uh that uh, like when I had kind of like was talking to you a little bit before uh beforehand um. What is uh, something that maybe our listeners might not expect?
0: Yeah, sure, it's a good question. I think like the hospitality in the the more rural areas. So I I think everyone has their own experience of the, the bigger cities, and some are like, oh, it's amazing. I've had a great time. Some might be unfortunate. They might come across someone who might be a bit cold, but you know, like it it happens. You know, wherever you are, I think there's people might be know busy with their own work life and other things going on so but like us, so many of our clients that have gone into the countryside have come back and just be like ah oh, people are so friendly like Chicago especially so many of our clients went on to longer tours went quite deep into the countryside and that it, I think one of the things that I've loved about this business is whenever uh, people left they kind of went with a little bit of apprehension and whenever they've come back, they've just been all smiles and just glowing and just being like, Oh, we've just had like the best adventure cycle around in Shikoku. We've met so many great people. We've got friends forever, you know, thing." And and yeah, like the, some of the kindness like the, the stories of kindness that I've heard is like because Shikoku it's quite a raw area with a, a lot of agriculture, then yeah, you know, seasonal fruits are on on offer and. Sometimes farmers would just be like, hey, hey, have an orange, you know, have this, have a khaki. You know? So, like, there's kind of all sorts of like gifts being given just because you're riding along the road and stuff like that. It's not you know, kind of disclaimer, not, not it doesn't happen time. all yeah. the time. But, 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 yeah, it's, you know, I've heard actually so many stories of this. I've heard people like, being bought ice creams on hot days you know maybe the car went by they saw the cyclist they stopped off at the convenience and then when the cyclists have come in there's like, oh, some ice creams for you you look like you're working hard and stuff and you know, so and then yeah even invitations to dinner and you know people a lot of the farmers you know they kind of eat barbecues outside you know in, the, in when the weather's nice and they kind of just wherever they've got space they're oh we're having a barbecue tonight. Um, yeah swing by and stuff like that so there, there's just so 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 much hospitality in in these kind of areas and um yeah I, I've had some yeah nice things just like small gifts here and there but to and the occasional invite but just not not really having the time and it's not really worked out but it's yeah just kind of like blown blown away by some of the stories that people have kind of said when they've come back from uh, from cycling in Chicago especially
1: Love it. Love it. And then, um, so for, for example, like if, uh, someone was looking to take advantage of your, uh, service, uh, you know, for the day, uh, just to get away, uh, or, uh, for multiple days,
0: uh, what would that, uh, end up looking like for someone? Sure. So we've got a a tiered pricing system and the road bikes at the moment start, I say start, it's kind of the, the, the most you'll pay for a day, but what, what the tier is one to three days. And that would be five thousand five hundred yen, including tax. And then for the touring bike, four thousand four hundred yen, including tax. It's we don't just provide the bike. There's a helmet included. There's everything that you kind of need: the light, the bow insurance. So there's all these things that we we've added in that package. So it's not just you're not just getting the bike. um People like we we have a few different types of pedals that we can put on, or people are welcome to bring their own as well, and we can put them on depending what shoes you've got. But the, with the tiered system, gradually as the rental period gets longer, then it can come down to about 2,000 yen per day. And there's also kind of discounts if there's a large group as well, there, there's discounts. So most of the system online is, is kind of like the final price, but you know, if it is a big group for a long period, then reach out with an email because we can make a, a proposal and try and reduce it. The same with delivery because it, because the, actually the pricing with delivery is fixed because it's the courier fee. We we don't actually kind of make much on the courier fee. It's just like maybe just a quick handling charge. You know, it's our time packing the bike and sending it and stuff, but it's not much kind of on that. We just charge effectively what the couriers charge, and that covers the expense of of that. But getting the the actual main service sorry yeah just because of the the actual time post sending the bikes we need to check that the bike is available for the next client so that's more why we can't really automate the delivery side of things so we do ask people just to shoot us an email about any any bike delivery i'd love to get to that stage where everything is automated but it just wouldn't work i think it does need the someone watching over it and stuff uh, so yeah
1: that's that's great and then when i was looking through your website and things i saw that you uh rent out uh kind of like a do-it-yourself maintenance uh work studio and then you also have a um like area kind of for like or like services for kind of like washing and cleaning uh, your bikes as well um could you tell us a little bit more about that as well
0: sure yeah of course during the pandemic we've had to kind of diversify a little bit and look at Kind of ways to introduce services for the local kind of cycling community, whether Japanese or whether internationals living here. Um, the the idea was basically yeah we've got this shop that we've had and we've got these tools and we've got this service and like maybe, utilising what we already have during the time when you know kind of we're not sure when when revenue's kind of really coming back it was all very much like survival mode uh, for the first definitely for the first year so i just started to kind of introduce ways that i could make these these kind of services accessible for other people and and so basically uh, yeah the, there's a there's a bike wash outside when we're not here i've added a coin timer so even if people just want to rinse their bike um and then also the option of having us watch the bike etc is there but this is not just for locals uh, there's there are cyclists who bring their own bikes to Japan and you know maybe they're on the three month kind of tour they're maybe moving on to another country they're cycling around the world but you know like dealing with local bike shops when there might be a language barrier there's also kind of the, the pricing labor costs, etc and mm-hmm. I thought well you know one thing that I could introduce is a, a kind of a work studio where people can come in and fix their own bikes they uh, still working on the best way to price this I'd love to get to a membership level for the locals and be like ah, oh, you can repair your bike you can wash your bike you can come get a coffee that kind of thing for the locals but again there's also the those coming from overseas so I want to kind of factor everything in but the services are are available and um, so it's just uh, another way to kind of yeah when dealing with a pandemic and and I guess shortages with the rentals over the last couple of years it's a way that we can kind of i guess stabilize the income a little bit We've got this space and it's it's an amazing space it's right next to the the uh, Sakuranoia station um and Sakuranoia basically is One of the main cherry blossom viewing areas in in Osaka so last month it was yeah so many people outside and the view from the shop is just absolutely stunning um the same in autumn all these leaves change to the koyo you've got the red leaves and it's just an amazing place to to be i love you know i love coming my house is very close but i love coming here and just when I when I lose track of what I'm doing I'm often just like looking out the window looking at the, you know, the, the nature there's Osaka's generally got you know there's a lot of buildings there's a, a big big place there our main city but I'm very lucky that on the, on the green belt and I always thought well wouldn't you know because we are next to the cycle route as well it would be nice to have cyclists come in and and chat and also just finding a, a place that after you know if someone's done a big tour of Shikoku, that they can kind of come here and sit down and just relax and have a coffee uh, and yeah we we get to know them a little bit and but just kind of I, I wanted to make like a, a club or a base that people can come and talk about cycling, meet other cyclists, and just start sharing this and creating a community of cyclists whether they live in Osaka or, or not. So it's just yeah it's kind of I've been learning how to make proper coffee and 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 waffles and things so and like yeah at the end of last year I had to do the the food hygiene tests and, and things like that in Japanese which is an experience in itself um, <laughs> don't so doubt it. <laughs> yeah it's just kind of yeah the coffee shop's ready to go and yeah it seems a bit strange to say but I you know with the the, the COVID years I think a lot of these ideas I wouldn't manage to have got. have gotten to i would have just been kind of focused on on the rentals and and i guess kind of yeah a little bit i don't know it could be a waste of time later down the line i'm not sure but yeah i think i've had so much time and yeah the devil devil finds work for a your hands type of thing so i've just been yeah everyone i'm always busy but not necessarily busy type of thing so but it, it's just fun it's like my 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 passion project and i love just love sharing you know people sharing the experience of cycling in Japan with, with those that come to us. So
1: I like it. And then, um, I know we, we've touched about a a couple of these, uh, things already, uh, Suda, um, but for you, uh, I know COVID being one of them, but like, what are some of uh, the biggest challenges you're facing, um, in your role, uh, you know, kind of with your business, the project and, and everything that you're going on, like, how are you going about, uh, uh, tack- tackling that, I know you just mentioned uh, quite a bit of things that you're doing, but is there anything else
0: you want to kind of add on to that? Yeah, kind of. At the moment, I guess the challenge is kind of knowing when tourism will return. We, I think, all of the like the the cycling community or the those that work in tourism and cycling, they're all kind of like, yeah, we we're not sure. We we need to kind of start moving in the right direction and maybe start thinking about getting tour guides again but we're not sure there's a little bit of blind planning there's still kind of a lot of you know, uh tight restrictions still there's an election coming in Japan very soon which could kind of change you know the current feeling towards tight travel restrictions so there's, there's kind of a lot in the air at the moment so it's you know kind of just for me keeping the business ticking over adding these new services so kind of it's more um they're more robust I guess in the future should there be you know another you know variant or you know I think even way back in 2011 when the uh when the earthquake struck now yeah, that was a pretty big one and and tourism kind of dropped off and and you know that's why the, the white paper that came out to promote tourism and the Olympics and the Rugby World Cup and so much came from that so you know I think 2019 saw so much tourism when then so everyone was expecting the Olympics and like great 2020s coming and then it, you know just completely dropped off and um, kind of just dealing with that and kind of getting back to kind of just feeling normality and being able to run services in a in a kind of the way that you just it is a daily kind of job that you go to and you meet clients and and that's it where at the moment it's kind of yeah clients are coming local clients are here at the weekend Sometimes you get someone who's living in Japan visit. So it's very like here and there at the moment. But just the stability of going to work, having regular local tours and having regular kind of clients that are, you know, shipping the bikes off to wherever. There was there was this kind of feeling that the business was definitely heading in the right direction after after years of starting it and just getting it kind of warmed up. It wasn't like an instant overnight success, but it felt like we were definitely heading in the right direction. Um and then I guess the challenge to me is try and kind of manage all that. I have, you know, I've added so many services, but these are all ideas in my head that I then must follow up on. So I I kind of feel the challenge <laughs> to myself is that I have too many ideas in my head. I've got to kind of maybe ease up on trying to offer these new services, maybe ease up on just, you know, kind of getting back to the rental side of things, but still trying to manage those services that we, we've kind of introduced during the pandemic. Um, And then, of course, I'm a house husband, so uh, (laughs) trying to balance all that with looking after two young children. uh, Yeah, I kind of need to keep my sanity as well a little bit, I think.
1: What is one piece of advice outside of using your service, like, you know, for a road bike rental Japan, um, that you'd give to someone who's starting to look into lodging for their next trip?
0: Sure, it's a a good question. Um, I think for me, if if I may... um, and it might not necessarily be the answer that you're looking for but I'd like to encourage listeners to, to stay with the smaller private and family owned guest house um and lodgings as much as possible i think you know I don't, don't want to kind of put corporations down yeah but a lot of the bigger hotels are owned by bigger companies and they had a you know maybe if the accommodation side of things not going well they've they've got another part of their business that they can focus on or they they've got a stronger domestic kind of client base where private businesses and kind of like family owned kind of like restaurants and and lodgings. the tourism was everything you know tourism was everything and it it kind of vanished suddenly Um, so there's so many businesses that have folded and i think you know everyone's just been probably similar to me trying to Keep the business going but keeping ways to kind of improve their business so that when tourism does come back the services are even better than they were before and so i kind of yeah i just think that would be a kind of a nice kind of thing to do is to, to stay at like family family guest house and privately owned guest house um, and i think you know the bigger companies they have corporate connections that will kind of help them as well. So I think, yeah, like it's just nice to, to kind of give the the small businesses a chance. I I see it restaurants as well. The restaurants they've been closed for a long time. Yes. But you know, McDonald's is always open and things like that. So all these smaller businesses have really, really had it quite quite hard. So um, I think, yeah, just lodgings and and eating out. Try to try to find the the little mum and pop shops and. Uh, these kind of things i think that's a, uh, yeah and i guess be patient as well i think these guys have also had a, a little bit of a, a stressful period so the re- the rebound tourism thing you know as i said we don't know when it's coming but it, it's coming and you know everyone's trying to get ready for it but you know there, there might be a case that you know you might be staying at a minshuku owned by a you know 70 year old retiree and they they think they're ready but then when tourism comes and yeah, you know, like someone's maybe requests that they're kind of not used to they might be like ah so I, I think just yeah just uh be patient as well Yeah, you know, I think um yeah it, I think it's easy as as tourists we kind of kind of think the bar is is high and you know I think it, it should be um but at the same time I think you know you're dealing with a, an individual that might have been you know kind of through you know hell and back over the last couple of years a little bit and I kind of feel yeah I kind of sympathize for them at the same time but they should have a yeah a professional level of, of service as well so but but yeah just yeah I think we too for for tourism to come back in a nice harmonic way I think just kind of yeah everyone just be kind of like a, a little bit patient and and look to support the the smaller businesses
1: yeah for me it's like a, it is like if we, if it happened to open up and we're here during the summer it's like if you're making yourself over it's kind of like uh you want to be good impressions too and uh have people want to open back up more and you know have more of us be allowed in and i i recommend you know i was looking back through when i was sitting down with my son kind of looking at favorite places that i st- that i ate and did and so many of those have closed uh since last i was there and um, you know, I, I think that's a great recommendation, uh, just try to hit outside of those chain areas. And I think that's, that's perfect. And so now just want to get back to yourself and your site here. We're nearing the end. Thank you so much, uh, Gareth, like, uh, for, for topping it out with me here today. But, um, what are some of your like favorite podcasts, YouTube shows, uh, could be on Japan or other topics. What are some things that you like to? Like you said, limited free time, but if you do have that, like where do, where do you find yourself?
0: Sure, I am you know fascinated by the tourism business, and um, so recently I do listen to Tourpreneur a lot. Um, it's a great podcast for those working in tourism. Uh, the 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 podcaster Shane, he's he's worked in tourism for a long time. He has a lot of great guests on um so he offers a real service and it, it kind of came out during the pandemic and I was just like you know this guy's kind of got everyone's backs and supporting and he's providing these amazing podcasts and just a, it just become a really useful, useful resource um but yeah I think it's a kind of fantastic that to to again yourself as well just to be a podcaster and be out there and offering these channels to one one provide information to to your listener to the listeners but also to give a chance to you know the likes of myself and Jeff to to kind of have have a voice as well so it's um yeah it's really really good and, and I think Shane's an excellent kind of a podcaster with with actually amazing guests that all collectively have so much so much experience in in working with with tourism and, and traveling and it's not necessarily J- Japan specific but but still, there's a lot of takeaways from each of the podcasts, so it's good. And then, as a as a little bit of more, it, it's cycling and it's business, but it's also a little bit more humorous. I love watching the the GCN show. The um, uh, it's originally from England, but there's a lot of yeah, you know, cycling when you're on your own, and you know it's hard to find humor in cycling sometimes. But but the guys on the you know, Daniel Lloyd and and Simon Richardson, they um is very entertaining and I I love watching that show. So that's just a a little escape when I get five minutes away from the kids. I
1: love it, I love it. And then uh, one thing I noticed too, um, when you were, like when I was perusing your site and kind of going through, uh, one thing I saw that you're currently in the midst of uh, some fundraising uh, with the World Bicycle Relief and you're, you know, this pedal to empower um, that's gonna be, you know, coming up here uh, right around my birthday, my friend. Uh, so
0: what can you tell us all about that? Uh, happy birthday for then. Um, <laughs> uh, I had mine last week, actually. so <laughs> That's why I think my waistline is a little bit bigger. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, World Bicycle Day is coming on uh, June 3rd. Um, so I've actually been, actually, be, I, I became aware of uh, World Bicycle Relief through the GCN show they do a little bit advocacy for, for them. And, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think during the pandemic, I kind of wanted to think about how, what kind of business that I want to be an owner of and think about how to be kind of you know, socially responsible and, and do, do what I can. And I think so many businesses are now kind of thinking that's an important thing to, as we move forward and with the, uh, SDGs. So, cycle tourism, you know, many people still think it's a, you know, cycling is green, but, the same time, there's so much I found like, when I was replacing tubes and parts that there was a lot of wastage and stuff. So I kind of wondered what I could do with these kind of things. So so I started to think about how I can make the, the business a little bit more kind of, yeah, more socially responsible. Um, so yeah, after discovering the world bicycle relief, I, I sent them an email and kind of was communicating with Kemi over there and yeah, the, she announced that because of the the World Bicycle Day coming uh, in June, they were having a, a kind of a, an effort and calling it the power, uh, sorry, pedal to empower movement. And they wanted just people to ride bikes at the end of the day. That's just kind of raising the awareness and, um, you know, everyone's on social media these days, getting photos and spreading a little bit of, you know, kind of information about, all, all, all sorts of things and I thought well it would be great if I could kind of get uh, a group together, get some rides organized and and the, uh, there's a fundraiser option too and I've never done a fundraiser in my life and uh but I thought maybe maybe I'll give it a go and um and, and try and so I've put up these routes and I've got some people donating and thank you very much Michael for your donation. Very much appreciated.
1: Thank you, Gareth, so much. Um, I, I do appreciate uh, your thanks for, like, you know, for the donation too. And I just want to say that, um, you know, if any of you are thinking, you know, I don't ask for uh, funds or anything like that, but if you're looking to uh, buy uh, myself a uh, birthday present uh, for this uh, for 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 my 44th coming up here, um, I would greatly appreciate if you kind of went over and uh, did a donation uh, for this fundraising event uh, here. I would mean an awful lot uh, just for me to have it actually go towards something um, that doesn't increase my uh, waistline. I'll do that on my own. So,
0: uh, could you tell us a little bit more, uh, like uh, about that, Gareth? Sure. So the, the events are aimed at increasing the awareness, but the actual kind of the pedal to empower movement is to aimed at kind of overcoming the the barrier of distance so i think as a cyclist you know jump on a bike i kind of take it for granted that i'm just riding a bike where there's ambulance cyclists you know in in africa they have to kind of do their job on a bike maybe there's kids who have their 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 school is 10 kilometers away so yeah the world bicycle relief are focused on kind of overcoming the barrier of distance and you know just things that we probably take for granted just trying to get around and go to the shop even like getting water from the nearest well could be five kilometers away so you know just having a Buffalo boat yeah the, the world bicycle relief they they have their Buffalo bike which is kind of custom designed to deal with the terrain in in developing countries so and that's what we've we've the the goal that I've set is to try to get to 10 Buffalo bikes so that's, uh, yeah, that's where, what I'm trying to do this um, this coming June at the moment and between between now and then. So thank you again for your donation and, and for spreading the awareness.
1: And I'm going to have some links, uh, Gareth, in um, our podcast description today, not only to your sites and things like that, but also uh, for the fundraising. And then if there are those of you, because I know I do have listeners in Japan. Um, For any of you that might be um, near that Osaka area that would look to join in, I'm going to include those links uh, for everything as well. And like I said, um, if you're financially able, um, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, If you can't, um, and maybe you can uh, give some support in other ways, um, just sharing on your uh, Instagram or social media, um, these events uh, would mean a whole bunch. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. and. For yourself, um, what are some of your goals uh, for, um, you know, like beyond uh, uh,
0: 2022
1: for your business?
0: Sure. So I I guess, as I said, like, I think I've started so many projects, so I have a long to-do list at the moment. Um, I think everyone does, so I'm not trying to say anything there. I just want to get things done that I kind of maybe started a few years ago that got sidetracked there was a um, some we had some riders around they went to shikoku and we started to make a blog and then it got put on the back burner um, again kind of trying to focus on maybe responsible tourism i had an idea of a blog i wanted to write about responsible cycle tourism uh, and so these are things that i want to catch up with because again they are still in the back of my mind like you need to do this you need to do this and yeah so but i think Prior to 2020, uh, actually, at the end of 2019, I had just also opened a shop in Kyoto, um, like Roadway Rental Japan, at that time Global Wheels, uh, we went by the name Global Wheels and we'd opened a second shop. So the idea, Kyoto was so busy with with cycle tourism, but we also had riders wanted to ride from Osaka to Kyoto and it was a great way that we could provide a service where they could finish their ride in Kyoto and just do the one-way trip and so for me to feel that the world is back on track like my goal is to try to get back to the Kyoto shop and then from there who who knows i, I kind of always wanted to try and get one in onomichi by the shidomame kaido too um but it's just kind of yeah like the the pandemic as as it has done with everyone it's put everyone back maybe a couple of years and I think it's just kind of a case of getting there <clears throat> keep working away keep plugging away and and then yeah hopefully five years down the line things will maybe have caught back up with where where I wanted to take the business two years ago but but, but still and I think you know being in Kyoto just having that ability to offer the service to those wanting to ride around Kyoto and even get out of this know the the scenery getting into the hills uh it's just amazing we were located um at matsotaisha which is just by arashiyama a very beautiful part of the world and i used to just be yeah in awe every time i went to work because it's just complete the scenery was completely different from from osaka and you just have these beautiful mountains in the background and and then yeah we'd take groups into the mountains on the bikes and just the scenery up there was uh is amazing absolutely amazing
1: i love it i love it love it nice um is there um you know anything else um about uh you know like your service your business um your yourself that you'd like to share with listeners that you haven't uh shared to this point
0: Sure. Something that I started during the, the pandemic too, is I started to put a a web directory together. Um, Originally I called it the cycle friendly app because I thought it was going to be an app, but I've, I've, it's a learning curve for me and it's taken a long time to, to try to learn how to to make apps and and things. So, but the website is, is there. I just haven't really pushed it so much. My idea was to kind of get it out there and, and people could, find cycle friendly accommodation uh, cafes and things along their trips not just in japan it would be starting with japan but but again it's just one of those ideas that because of everything that you're doing it, it can take a while to, to to get there but so the cycle friendly app is something that i'm working on too and hopefully we'll be able to get more businesses on board sharing their you know, cycle friendly services around japan and,
1: I, and that's interesting though. I'm going to put the cycle friendly, um, app, uh, dot, uh, address as well. Um, into our show notes, uh, just something else to add.
0: And have a good birthday in the meantime.
1: <laughs> definitely will. Uh, my, my daughter and I, uh, just as a secret, uh, life hack for us. Um, we, uh, go and buy, uh, only one piece of cake for my birthday. Um, but we just call that the entire cake because uh, until you cut it it's really not more than one piece so I, I only have one piece of cake on my birthday that's it just
0: the whole cake so. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, should, I should tell yeah. my wife that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great i end up getting, i end up getting the leftovers <laughs>
1: <laughs> well gareth um thank you so much uh truly uh for joining us here today and um i really appreciate just all the, the you know the relationships uh that I'm able to make uh, by talking to everybody uh that's in Japan that's running businesses and you know doing different things like you and the connections that we're getting to make and um truly um it means the world to me uh you know having you on today so just again thank you for setting aside time and uh for doing all that you did just to be here with us today
0: oh, it was a real pleasure it was a fun experience as well it's my first time ever doing a podcast so no, thank you for that, Michael. And uh, again, a big thank you to uh, Jeffrey at Rediscover Tours and for the introduction. And thanks to the listeners for, for putting up with me for the last hour or so. So uh, thank you for listening.
1: I got to say, um, you know, you know, truly uh, with everything that's going on, I think if we put uh, as many good vibes as we can out there uh, into the world, um, I really think that that's going to come back to us. And um you know it it does a lot and and truly um thank you uh for for responding and just coming back on with us so um, just it's been wonderful, wonderful time, and look forward to doing it again uh once we're actually open and then I can see kind of like what's going on with you and uh you know hopefully then at that point in time uh we'll we'll have some people that are uh, looking to to join on or uh, set up uh, different tours with you, so look forward to hearing that growth.
0: Sure. Thank you. I'd love, I'd love to kind of be on again and, and talk maybe how, how things have progressed you know, a year or two years down the line. It's been a fascinating story, the pandemic, um, something that we didn't really expect. And you know, I think the world has, a, everyone has almost like a fresh start again in a way as it, as it comes around as the the world opens to travel again. So I'm looking forward to for what's in hold for, for everybody, really. So. Thank you again, Gareth.
1: On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and your Lost Without Moments. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, my friends.